our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, I'm Sarah. When planning our home birth, my husband Matthew and I were really frustrated by the lack of empowering and honest home birth resources. So we created this podcast to start a new conversation for moms and families like us. This is Doing It at Home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of the Doing It at Home podcast. Today, we have a really cool part two for you. So we spoke with Lindsay, actually, back in the day, episode 20, one of the first mamas we interviewed when we started doing birth stories. And in that episode, if you haven't listened to it, definitely go do so. But quick recap, we talked about the birth of her daughter. And she was pregnant at the time with baby number two, planning a home birth. And this is that story. And Lindsay is a really cool example of what we hear of often, just how every birth is so different and unique and beautiful. And then even with the same woman, the same woman can have totally different experiences with her birth. And so this is an example of that and also how to stay cool and calm when there's a little bit of pressure and a little bit of anxiety in the room. And also some advice from Lindsay, do your squats, mamas. So listen in. It's an awesome, um, awesome episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Hello, Lindsay. Welcome back to the Doing It at Home podcast. You are not only a DIAH mama veteran, but you were one of the first waves of of interviews we did of birth stories. So it's so awesome to talk to you again. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me back. Oh, man. So a lot has changed since we spoke um, a few months ago. There's a new person in the world. And of course, there's a story to go along with how said person entered the world. And that's that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess what I think it was around six or seven months pregnant when we talked last. Yeah. So yeah, lots, lots happened. Yeah. <laughs> so you for baby number one, Charlie, we had, as we talked about in the episode, which I will include links to in this episode. So if you're listening now and you're like, wait, I want the backstory, pause, go listen to that episode and then come back to us. Because uh, Charlie's birth was a planned for a home birth and we transferred to a birthing center, correct? Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Cool. And then, like you said, last we talked, you were pregnant and you were planning for baby number two and you were going home birth route again, which we were so excited about. And tell us a little bit how you were feeling going into those last couple weeks of, of pregnancy and you know what was going on for you. Um, the last couple weeks, I could kind of tell things were shifting. Um, I think I said too, in, a, in a, my birth story that I wrote, I, I, I can remember that last week especially was just, I was so ready. And I think it wasn't even like necessarily ready to have the baby as much as it was ready to just be done with work and be home. <laughs> so gotcha. I was feeling kind of anxious about that. Um, and I had some, uh, like, uh, there was a night that woke me up. I had like a three hour 
stent of regular contractions that I thought, oh, this is it. And then they stopped. And that was because that was my first thought was, oh, crap, I got to go to work in like three hours, you know, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. <laughs> but um, So that was really hard after that, because I thought it was go time. And I was pretty uncomfortable in the last couple of weeks. I had a lot of like pelvic discomfort. Um, I kept getting these like spasms of like nerve, like the baby would almost like push on a nerve or something and they'd shoot down my leg. And like there are times it would drop me to the floor because it would catch me off guard. So I was pretty ready. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's so overall, how did you experience, um, the pregnancy compared to Charlie's pregnancy? Um, well, this was a lot more uncomfortable for me. Um, I'm 35 years old, you know, so I, I think, you know, age is nothing but a number and you're only as old as you feel, but there is still, you know, the natural wear and tear in your body. So it's definitely not getting any easier as I get older. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a uh, really crazy to me to like, I always, I, I teach at a gym and I'm always talking about how awesome muscle memory is. Oh yeah. Well, when you're pregnant, it applies that way as well. You know, so everything happened a lot sooner, you know, I looked six months pregnant at like four months, you know, so that's fascinating. Okay, I'll keep I'll keep note of that for when we are in baby number two phase. I'm like, okay, this is this is what Lindsay said happens. <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely was that aspect of it. Um, you know, I mean, you just kind of do what you can. I had a ton of food aversions and nausea with this pregnancy. And I had exactly zero with Charlie. So that was a huge a huge blow for me because I try to eat really, really healthy. And when all your healthy food makes you want to vomit, it's kind of hard. (laughs) So I think I ate macaroni and cheese for the first time in like five years when I was pregnant because it was like quite literally the only thing that did not make me want to vomit. So, (laughs) well, you know, I got to have my hands up in the air like, well, (laughs) You got to do. Right, right. <laughs> we're just crying after I ate that because I was like, it didn't make me sick and this is not optimal. And I just, you know, just let, let, let go. <laughs> yeah, there's enough things to get, to, yeah. <laughs> to get upset about. Uh, okay, so as you were moving closer then, you must have had like this relief kind of feeling coming on, I would imagine, like that it's like the finish line is approaching. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was I was grateful to see the end of it. Um yeah, it's definitely uh it's definitely an incredible time, but I was ready for it to be over to move on to the next phase for sure. So <laughs> Wow. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Wow. And so, you know, I read your awesome account of the birth, which I will also include links to in the show notes on uh, Lindsay's blog. But what what was going on when you had like some phantom contractions, right? Like days before you ended up giving birth and it really felt, I mean, you had been through labor before. So I would imagine you were like, okay, yeah, this is legitimate. And then stuff just stopped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had some really regular contractions and yeah, it just stopped. So that was, yeah, that was kind of hard to pull it together. And then I just kind of kept waiting. I felt like it was just this like ongoing waiting game for the next two. Oh, I think it was like, 
it was a little over a week, maybe like nine, 10 days after that had happened before it actually started for real. And I, and I knew pretty quick, um, I think it was like around midnight, around the same time of night, actually. And it happened again. Um, and I was like, oh, please, please let this be real, you know? Yeah, so, geez. You know, I have a question of- about that. Did you did you talk it over with your midwife or anything? I'm sure anything's really possible in this game, right? But what is that to, like, experience what, what seemed like, you know, labor is starting and then it just kind of stops? Like, what, is that, that common? Was- it's yeah. She said it was pretty normal um, because I did ask. It was she said it's like uh, the practice and the more practice that you kind of get, the more that happens leading up to it, the less you're going to have to do when the time actually comes. So okay. it's almost like the work is being done over a more gradual period of time versus like, well, you know, if you want to compare it to my first labor, that was like a two days worth. So everything happened all at once there because my water broke. Right. You know? was like two days worth well that two days got spread out over the course of like you know that whole week apparently so okay. all right so the uterus was just like warming up doing it's like yeah, practice laps <laughs> nice long practice yes yes okay exactly. so getting prep on and whatnot so um yeah so when it did start my midwife was a you know with second baby and her being so far away um she did tell me to let her know no matter what you know, time of day or what, how slow it was. So she could prepare, you know, she has kids too. Sure. Um, so we had the, uh, the, all the practice leading up to the real thing. We'd actually just kind of started making plans, you know, trying to like, okay, this will happen when it happens. You know, we can't keep stopping life, you know, for this. So we'd actually made plans to take a tour of a farm and we had the toddler all amped up for goats and chickens. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and she gets up that morning and goes, we're going to go see the chickens. And I'm like, but a baby instead (laughs) (laughs) not exactly that was a kind of a kind of a bummer for her but daddy took her out of the house um you know for a couple hours just to kind of distract her and give me some time and so it was really cool um actually one of the most amazing things that I remember from my entire maternity leave was that first day when I was in labor and how I kind of had this realization that I hadn't been in like or listened to or like just acknowledged silence in so long. Wow. I was was alone in my house for the first time in a very long time (laughs) with nothing to do but just lay there and labor. And I just can remember laying in my room and the birds and it was a beautiful spring day. I had the windows open. The colors were insanely awesome. The light coming through the trees. And it was just really really cool to be like as this just the most peaceful I can remember feeling I in a long time so yeah it was really cool what an amazing I want to say gift that's the word that comes to my mind like to have right before moving into that experience and you know time for you to get in tuned with baby in tuned mm-hmm. with you and yourself and that's that's awesome that that space was created for you to have that yeah it was awesome and then I can find I found myself kind of trying to like do that for the rest of this. I've been on maternity leave, you know, for like 11 weeks now. And I've been, you know, at least once or twice a week, we'll try to replicate that when, when the hubby and the the toddler leave for, you know, school and daycare and stuff, I would, I just didn't turn anything on. I just sat with the baby in my bedroom or in the living room with nothing else on and just, so it was just so, so nice and quiet. That's, <laughs> so. that's glorious. I can, I can appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, that was kind of the start of it all. But um, yeah, so things kind of progressed a little slow. You know, that early labor was kind of, you know, just putter around the house, get a few things ready, got some snacks ready just in case I needed them, you know, hung out with the family. Uh, Kevin took a nap, which was cool. He was pretty, pretty relaxed, which is not what I remember from the first time around at all. <laughs> so Nice. <laughs> um, and then it was like three or four in the afternoon when the midwife and the doula showed up because um, things were starting to get a little bit more intense. And from there, it went like super fast from there so I can remember doing like it kind of gets like time frame gets fuzzy I know like we were doing laps in the yard outside for a while they're trying to walk and kind of got to the point where I didn't want to do that anymore and um I can remember hitting a wall and getting like really really tired and just wanting to sleep and I kind of curled up on my bed for a while and I think I might have actually dozed a little bit <laughs> with that at that point and um and then I guess that's a, that's where I was when my water broke, and it was really crazy when my water broke because I heard an audible pop, and then all this like got, it was like it was crazy. That I, is that is it, something. Yeah, it must have been like all the pressure or something. But I do I remember hearing the pop before I felt the water, and it was like, whoa, that's crazy. So that was kind of cool. Um, but then we got into. Um, I guess I shouldn't say trouble, but things started uh, getting a little bit crazy after that because his heart rate started getting um, getting low, and the uh, midwife had to make me move. My midwife, her name's Tavnia, she had me move out of that position, and I didn't want to because I was so comfy and I was so tired. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. I remember that from Charlie, too, just not wanting to move when I'm in labor. I just want to lay there. I just don't want to move. It's so scary almost. Um, so they had me moving around trying to find a place and I labored for a little while. Um, and things went super fast, which is funny because I remember after my water broke, um, it felt like, it felt like hours to move into that pushing stage to me. And it was only like 20 or 30 minutes. Um, so that was kind of crazy how the time just got so skewed. Um, and I just remember everything moving so fast and just never being able to settle in. I was just kind of all like, just, okay, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe. Cause his change was just constant. And, uh, his heart rate kept decelerating and they kept having to make me move in the heat of all this, like, you know, moving towards the pushing phase. And, uh, it was like, I think 7 30 PM when my water broke and he arrived at like 8 15 is when he was born. It was a little after eight and his heart rate was getting so low. It was down into like the 40 beat per minute range, which is like scary low. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I remember um, my midwife saying, I think we're going to have to go to the hospital. His heart rate's so low or his heart rate's too low or something like that. And, and I can remember thinking hospital, uh -uh, hell no, I will move wherever you want me to move. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me what to do, you know? And she kept saying, um, you know, you got to push, baby's got to come out now, baby's got to come out now. I'm sorry, we can't wait for contractions. You just have to push. Um, and I can remember thinking, I am, I am, I don't know like, what to do more, you know, and it was just kind of a, it was weird because I don't remember feeling panic, but I could tell there was panic in the room. Okay. And, uh, I don't remember ever feeling it cause I really was at that point, like I was like, I can do this, you know, I got to get this done. And it's really weird because po like after this, I've had some like weird memories of almost looking 
down at myself doing this. It was, I don't know. It was, it was just, it's kind of bizarre where I can like, where I can just see everybody in the room, you know, making this happen. Yeah. It, it was, it's, it was, so it's kind of like some intense memories I haven't quite been able to put together yet. Um, so I, uh, I think I was like most of like the details I found out like afterwards, but with like when I was in the heat of the moment, I can remember so my husband had left the room to call 911 and I can remember hearing the sirens, hearing my husband answering the door and then hearing the cries of my baby within a span of like, you know, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, you know, wow. all this boom, boom, boom. And it was so, and then I can remember the, like, just thinking, oh, oh my gosh, my baby, you're here, you're here. And I remember looking at him and I remember looking up and seeing paramedics standing in the doorway and them telling me, we telling him we were refusing the service. Everything was okay. 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 Yeah. So, um, so that, you know, and his oxygen levels, which is what, you know, the concern was they tested it a hundred percent. So he was totally fine. Whatever was happening, there was like some cord compression going on somewhere, Um, so that was what was making his heart rate go so low. And, uh, yeah, I guess once, you know, once we got him out, everything was fine. And, you know, there was never any, like, I guess, extreme oxygen deprivation on his part. So no support was needed, no resuscitation, no nothing. Everything was fine. So it's, it's kind of hard to know exactly what was happening because obviously you couldn't see. Um, and my midwife said that, you know, Nobody would put an ultrasound on you in the heat of labor like that just to find out what was going on. You know, they would have reacted the exact same way no matter where I was with the birth. Um, You know, that the only difference might have been they might have got out the vacuum. Um, But I was able to push him out so fast that 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 might not even had time for that. Might not even done it faster. So who knows? But yeah, it was kind of. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things at play there. There's a lot. So first of all, I appreciate that you can acknowledge or kind of observe that there was a little bit of an element of panic in the room. However, I think it's really cool that it, it didn't seem to penetrate like your energetic bubble, so to speak, because yeah. I mean, you had a very important task <laughs> ahead of you and at hand. So if you were to go in that mode, things may not have unfolded the way that they did in terms of your ability to push him down. And I didn't learn about like the levels, like kind of like the measurement of the birth canal, if you will, that, you know, my midwife shared with me, you know, in terms of like where the head is engaged and how, how far they're moved down. You brought Lincoln all the way down in like less than 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't even crowning. I was literally just dilating enough to get into the pushing phase. So I can remember my midwife's hand. I actually thought at the time she was trying to help me get him out, but all she was doing was making sure I was dilated to 10 so I could push, you know, as needed. So, yeah. Well, holy moly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just kind of amazing that, you know, what, what you're capable of when you're protecting your babies and your loved ones and in the heat of the moment. Right, right. And so how how did the experience compare to Charlie's birth and the birth center? I know they're com- you know completely different, but in terms of like sensations and how you were experiencing your physical body, how was that different in those final moments before you met each of your babies? Wow. Um I don't think it was as much the location as it was just the completely different 
birth experiences. Right. By the time I finally pushed out Charlie, I had been awake for like two, two solid days and I was exhausted. Yeah. I barely remember the pushing phase with her. I don't remember much about that. With her. I mean, I, the, the feeling of them putting her on my chest and, you know, and everything, I'll, I'll never forget that. But the actual like part where she finally came out and like, I don't remember a lot of that. I don't like people always talk about that ring of fire and I don't really remember ever having that even with her. Um, yeah. So I just, I guess it was just so, they're so different that I couldn't really compare, but the feeling of looking over, they had to do some stuff to Lincoln, you know, they had to test his oxygen levels sure. right, or all that and check him over. So I didn't get him right away. Um, but that was actually okay because I kind of had to pull myself together. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine. So, um, you know, so by the time I did get him, you know, we were both, we were, we were both ready. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. What was the, the vibe, I guess, um, with the paramedics, when they showed up, I mean, I, I'm, I take it you didn't have to interact with them. You were kind of in your own space, but maybe after learning, you know, yeah. talking about it afterwards, you know, how was their um, demeanor? And, you know, I'm just curious how, how that experience went. Well, I do know a little bit about because I remember it sounded like just from hearing what Kevin had said, because he was the one who dealt most of them with them. And he said that I remember he said he answered the door and the one he said there was one younger kid it must not have been, you know, he must've been pretty new. He said that kid looked extremely bug eyed and terrified. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and there was another one. I believe it was a woman, um, that said, you know, that was, I think it was kind of like, so are you refusing services? Do you even need us? And that was when my midwife said, no, we're good. Um, we're refusing services. So that way, you know, then I don't think anybody has to pay for it after that, you know, pay for the call. Cause nothing was, nothing was done. Transport. Yeah. There's, there's no, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess it does. I mean, they, they're trained to stay pretty calm. So I don't really remember anything he, you know, apart from the one guy that Kevin said he thought looked kind of freaked out. Cause it was like anything to do with a baby. Nobody wants to be on that call, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not, it's not fun for anybody. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know. I don't really remember anything. I do remember that. I, I do remember that there was a woman though. So I might've explained a little bit more of her calm demeanor after she heard the baby crying. So, mm -hmm. and that was definitely like Kevin's thought, you know, cause he was dealing with all the paramedics and he was, you know, Bleh! pretty panicky. And he, um, said that when he heard the baby cry and he was just kind of like, Oh, you know, yeah. the flood of relief that, that came with that. So, and then you, you write about something really cool in the blog article that I also extremely appreciate. And that was, you know, you're, you're talking with your midwife and she was asking if you related to any of the experience, you know, coming out of it after a few days as a trauma or as, as anything less than, than like your birth experience and this, this powerful transformative thing. And you, you talk a, a little bit about that. Can you, can you share some of that and like how you did relate to it? And if anything has come up since then? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it just leads me, there's a lot of, a lot of good information out there that talks about, you know, that, uh, that the birth experience can be totally changed by your birth team. You know, the, the level of support that you get, who you choose to be your care providers. Sure. And, it, and it was definitely well chosen for me. Um, 
because uh, because I didn't feel anything but love and support. There there was no trauma. Um, I never felt I never felt like my wishes were or my you know well being was not in the best interest. You know, or same with the baby. You know, everything was everything was just awesome. I, I had a, a wonderful doula, my friend and um, chiropractor and doula <laughs> throughout my whole pregnancy. So um, her name is Erica. And she was just fantastic to just kind of be there to like, even just like the gentlest touch can do so much, you know, and it was just, uh, just incredible. I, it did take me a while to kind of reflect on it because I had a lot of questions. Sure. Um, you know, but I, I definitely don't feel like I trusted them all too, you know, and you know them by that point. That's, that's the nice part about like a midwife an independent midwife in the home birth situation or a birth center situation is you get to know them, you know, um, you spend the bulk of your appointments talking to them. So they know you as a person, you know, as well as your wishes. It's not just like reading what you want on a piece of paper. They just know from talking to you over the course of 40 weeks or whatever. So it's a, you know, just, it was just a whole different experience, you know, to have, have that love. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit offline before we hit record on how birth is, is so incredibly beautiful and unique and unique and the circumstances around birth, whatever they could possibly be can and do pop up regardless of your location. And so what you experienced in your birth was not unique to a home birth you know, necessarily like the things that went on and then the way everything was handled, uh, it, it's what can be done in, in any, any environment. And you just happen to choose doing it in your home. Yep, exactly. Exactly. There was no way anybody could have foreseen that or anything. So, um, you know, and I think my midwife has said that's even happened. That's not something that happens a lot, but she said she's experienced it, you know, at least once before, um, you know, so it is, know stuff happens so I'm just that I'm just glad that uh I didn't try to do it on my own or something because I mean gosh without you know the monitoring technology you know alone during birth when they monitor the baby's heart rate with the Doppler without that we never would have known right right So, so that's you know it's nice to have that midwife with that does bring all those you know awesome tools and whatnot so as well as knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, wow. Birth, birth keeps you grateful and humbled, right? Just on how it, how it can show up. Yeah. And I, and I think it does come down to that, like to, you know, birth where you feel comfortable and supported for sure with somebody you're comfortable with. That's, you know, having that support team there, you know, is, is, is huge and you don't ever have to settle for, you know, your OB-GYN just because you've been going to him for you know, umpteen years. So yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I love just how, for lack of a more eloquent word for it, like chill you are about, (laughs) about it all about the, the, your birth experiences. And you're just like, yep, decided to do it home. And that's what we did. And that's it. Like no controversy around it. Like it, it doesn't, the way you just deliver it, it's, it, it's just like, yeah, this is the decision. And uh, there you I, go. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that stubbornness, I guess. Strong will, if you will, <laughs> to make up mind about something um, for sure. So, I do want to touch on one last thing before we wrap up, and that's you. You drop 
these little nuggets throughout the article saying, mamas, do your squats. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I mean, I fully support it, but I just want to hear from you. Like, why the squats? Well, I just keep thinking about the strength that, I mean, I I truly believe that every woman has the strength to deliver their baby. But, you know, in the light of these unforeseen circumstances, it was nice to have the external strength as well as the internal strength to be able to do what I needed to do to get my baby here. Um, so it was definitely, I, I really like to lift weights <laughs> and it's just so important to, you know, move the way we're supposed to move. And those movements include squats. And, you know, if you're somebody that sat on your couch eating bonbons and Oreo cookies your whole pregnancy, you know, they might have had to put the vacuum on at that point in time, you know, for that mama. And that might have been not what she wanted. And that might have been more invasive. So it was, you know, I mean, definitely something that I'm very grateful that I did do and that um, I had available to me because I truly believe that that external strength was the kind of the deal breaker. (laughs) Um, and that, so that's awesome. That's great. All right. So mama's when in doubt, squat it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do the squat. Thank you so much, um, for sharing your family and just part of your world with us, not once, but now twice, um, to kind of round out the whole thing. And just both birth stories are, incredibly beautiful and yet like so different same woman totally different birth experiences totally different pregnancies it's just like it it that never ceases to blow my mind yeah it's me either because I just the whole the whole pregnancy and everything was just like a, a whole lesson in letting go of expectations for me and there's this awesome meditation that I was doing I use headspace and oh, in cool. uh, one of the packages that he does it's called I think it's the patience package. He says over and over that impatience is something that arises on the back of an expectation. And I just, well, that was just really profound for me. And I, I just kind of carry that, you know, and we're like, just kind of check in with yourself as you <laughs> find yourself getting impatient or anxious and like, okay, what was I expecting to happen here? And how can I release that? So Absolutely. Dang. That's great. That's powerful. I'm going to include a link to Headspace and find that patience thing too and put that in the show notes. So if you're interested, you can go check that out. Uh, Thank you so much again, Lindsay. I appreciate it. I know Matthew does. Maya does too. We think you're awesome. And um, please, you know, keep in touch with us and let us know how the whole family is doing. Thank you guys for having me back and for your time this morning, Sarah. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.